With about 60,000 tracks uploaded daily on Spotify alone, it's easy for anyone to get lost in the mix. So let's try to reverse the odds of being found. My guests are from the creative and business side of the music scene. We talk about what inspires them, their process, and the practical steps they've been taking to get noticed. I'm Saina, your host. Welcome to the show. Welcome back for another episode of Lost in the Mix. Today I speak to Coda, a grime artist from South London. Coda emphasizes the importance of having a strong team around him, which has helped push him to run four companies under the name Undeniable as his umbrella company. Over the years, he's been able to travel to different countries and build what he talks about as his core fan base. This episode is a little longer than usual, but you can be assured that it is well worth a listen. So here it is. Koda, how are you? <laughs> I'm feeling undeniable. How are you? Undeniable. <laughs> <laughs> love it, love it. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. So how how's things been? Things have been things have been looking up. There's a lot of um really good things happening around like myself, Coda, and Undeniable. So I feel like we've we're surviving the pandemic and we've been able to kind of go into it optimistic. You know, it's still been, we still miss the, uh, the, you know, the festivals and stuff. We was booked for yeah, a lot of, of festivals course, yeah. and traveling, things like that. I've had to now um, be obviously put on a back foot, but I'm just happy that the team's been able to kind of pivot and still all be optimistic. Yeah. Yeah. Because I've been seeing you branched out the whole Undeniable, like going into yeah. Undeniable film and all that stuff. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah. So um, I guess when we first met, it was because of Undeniable Studios in Bermondsey, right? Well, no, actually, <laughs> the funny story was that you came up to me and my friends at the time in the street. Oh, yes, in, in Broccoli. In Broccoli. Yeah, in the And end. you just said, like, I don't even know what you're saying. You were just like, yeah, young people, art, this, that. And then I think someone took your Instagram. Uh-huh. And yeah, and then I just had you on Instagram. And then after I came to your studio, which you just started yeah in Bermondsey which yes is, that's yeah, it. undeniable studios and then oh, I was yeah. coming for a bit so yeah that was like when it was first starting out wasn't it yeah so that was yeah I met you guys in the street you locked looked arty cool and creative so I was like <laughs> oh I'm trying to connect with creatives in the area I guess so um locked in with you guys and then um followed your journey through your mm-hmm. doing music etc and then I think you was like oh you want to get into engineering as well um so yeah what happened is I had the studio in Bermondsey and that was my first kind of business venture that actually meant I had to pay rent, like yeah, you know, yeah. overheads and like bringing clients and run a whole business. So that taught me a big, big learning curve just about running business and, and having an idea about being ready to kind of scale up and, and not scaling up too early. But we survived and then from from that one, we then opened a studio in Broccoli, where we're at now. Okay. Undeniable Studios in Broccoli, because um, Bermondsey closed because of the pandemic. Oh, did But it? luckily, okay, yeah, yeah. just as yeah. they closed, I'd just given up my space to someone to rent full-time. So I was like, oh, I've got a space in Bermondsey um, that someone's taken on full-time, and I can just open up in Broccoli. So I was going to be like, yeah, like I've got two studios. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then yeah. <laughs> the pandemic hit. And then, yeah, started that, and then... That then turned into Undeniable Films. Well, that made made the platform for Undeniable Films because I was like, okay, if I've got a music studio 
and I've got all of this talent coming to the studio. Was, a lot of artists was coming through and they're like, oh, I don't have no one to film my videos. I don't feel like people really care about my art. I don't feel like I'm represented through visuals. Mm-hmm. So where I've always kind of got ideas, I was giving away a lot of ideas, which I don't mind. But then I was like, wait, we can actually help these artists on their on their pursuit to find yeah. you know, that, that level of videography or, or that next creative idea that could help take their career to the next level. So then we started Undeniable Films. And I was always filming my own stuff in-house with my own team. So we just branched out the team to take on other people um, and facilitate their their work. And then we had the record company as well. So the record company was the first. It was Undeniable Records first um, that I started to be able to kind of put out my own music independently. Then that turned into Undeniable Studios and then now it's Undeniable Films. And now it's Undeniable. So what what Undeniable is, is, is the over the umbrella of everything. So there'll be a the day in the future where we have like undeniable everything, like undeniable this, undeniable that. You a know? little so, franchise there. Yeah, 100%. Nice. That's that's the long-term goal. So you said that you used undeniable records to release your song. Was that, with your latest release, My Pagan's Girl, was that also done under that? Yeah, so all of my releases from, let's say 2017, maybe, yeah, 2016 or 17 have all been through Undeniable Records. So okay. they've been uh, marketed in-house. Videos have been shot in-house. Everything's been done in-house yeah, since yeah, then. Yeah. We ain't had no support from like a major label or anything like that. We've we done um, some work with Puma. They supported a release that oh, we cool. have nice. called Win. That um, They gave us the headquarters in Germany for the day and let us do what we wanted. They built an Undeniable Studios in the headquarters. Oh, wow. Which was sick. Which yeah. was sick. Because it's like, we're getting flown to Germany <laughs> to build a studio here. Yeah. And like, we're in like our first year of business as a studio. Yeah. Really. Do you know what I mean? So it was, a, it, was a, it was a great opportunity that brought a lot of attention to the song, but the song was signed to the label. So everything's been on the label. And My Pagan's Girl was another one that, that came out on, yeah. on Undeniable. So we're building a strong little catalogue now of... Um, of music it is done under the company and I guess you do have a team but it's still kind of independently doing everything right so how does it feel doing that it's it's a lot of work you know yeah because (laughs) you know there's every single department of what you're doing needs to be yeah of course inspected and you need to look over everything twice and you need to kind of check in on people and make sure things are getting done and also like boost the team's morale if people's morale's low and contact everyone yourself so djs blogs every single thing is down to you yeah yeah and it's your release you can't be relying on someone else to like do it for you because it is your release and it's your company so exactly (laughs) yeah i can imagine it being a lot i've got got a major record label that's going to do everything no yeah i have to wake up and think hey cool if i need to post at 7 p.m on my instagram i need to post at 7 p.m like i need to I need to do it. If I need to, to jump on my live, I need to do it because this is all garnishing attention that I need to go towards my record so that it can do well on streaming and then it can get on playlists and it can do even more well. And then it creates more opportunities. That has a ripple effect that knocks onto mm-hmm. festival opportunities, being able to sell merch, being able to build a core fan base, which is which is like one of the most important things to me is having a core fan base. Um, so that all stems from how successfully you put out a record. And that, that comes down to who are the individuals in your team? Or how good is your ability? If you haven't got a big team, then 
how are you going to upskill yourself so that you are even in a position where you attract a team? You have people that are like, "Raw, I'll dedicate my time to this, you know, until until this becomes profitable. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. I believe in it so much that I don't really care about whatever. Or if you do have money to pay people, paying people, but it all still stems down to the talent and how how patterned up you are. So I always encourage people to just, you know, do the research and upskill constantly. Yeah, I remember I remember you saying it was actually one thing that really stuck with me about the core fan base. Mm-hmm. And I remember you telling me that you had like a, I don't know, some kind of launch party mm-hmm. and you just had a, like a small circle of people that you really knew loved your music and just like had that one-to-one interaction, that building that relationship with them. And you said it was better to have... 10 core fans and 100 just people that are like kind of <laughs> yeah exactly and so I think that's a that's an important thing to to have that core fan base and then of course the the team like you seem to have built a good team around you yeah it's taken years um and we're still getting there like we're still growing and learning every single day but I think when me being the leader of the team I'm a visionary when it comes to being forward thinking, but I'm also creative and I'm also transparent and honest about how I'm feeling. So if I don't like something, I'll say it. If I, if I like something, yeah, I'll yeah. say it. If I feel like we should be going in this direction as a company, I'm able to translate that. Um, and I think it, everybody plays a crucial role, but it's also like for you in your career, you're the leader of the, of the, of your career you're, you're in the driver's seat so it's down to you now to pick the correct passengers you know if you fall asleep at the wheel you know <laughs> there, there's yeah. someone that's gonna be like do you know what before you fall asleep at the wheel let me grab the wheel because you're looking a bit tired people that are paying attention someone in the back that's like okay cool like someone on the orcs that's playing tunes that are going to inspire you like someone like everybody in that car needs to serve a specific purpose if they're part of your team otherwise you're you're taking up space in the whip. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, think, that makes that makes sense. Yeah. So artists need to really zoom into who their team is, who the individuals are, and what are them people like day to day? Like how are they in their own lives? Like when you go into their world, how patterned are they? Do they do they do they um how can I put it? Do they hit their own deadlines? Are they negligent in their own lives? Is there stuff that they say to you, oh, I'm going to be driving next year and then you, you, a year goes by and they, they ain't looked at their fairy test once or not look, they ain't opened yeah. the fairy book <laughs> once. Like, so then what makes me think that you're going to be able to then commit to me? So I feel like artists need to zoom in and slow down a lot more when it comes to picking individuals in a team because these are your people that are going to be your passengers for a very long journey. Yeah, you, know? you do want to pick the right people. Yeah. Especially in the music industry, it's like, it's great that everyone's so free and, you know, like creative, but it, it comes with that, it comes a lot of flakiness and yeah. unreliable people yeah. and, you know. I feel like flakiness sometimes comes from when people don't see the value proposition or the value yeah, exchange yeah. within working with you. So if you have a friend that's just creative and they're helping you out because they're creative and they want to help you out. But if they're actually like being treated as invested invested into it it and you're investing in them it doesn't have to be money wise but you're actually being like okay well I'm gonna work hard to put your work in front of people that are gonna see it which is gonna get you more work or Mm -hmm. I'm really gonna champion you when this comes out like I'm like that way there's a value proposition there's a value exchange and now people will become less flaky but they become flaky sometimes when they're either inadequate of doing the work and if they're not 
it's because the value exchange isn't strong enough for them. Every member of my team, I'm in a position where I'm like, yo, like, could I be doing something for you? Like I have with my creative team at Undeniable Films, there's projects that they want to do that are side projects. And I'm like, yeah, like you can use the cameras, you can use the resources, you can use my lighting, you can use whatever. It doesn't have to directly benefit me at all, you know? And then it makes people know that they're part of an economy, like, and, and with that economy or ecosystem, we all support ourselves within that, within that ecosystem. Yeah. Know, it's not just about one person that's making the whole ecosystem work. I'm just the connector or you as an artist, you're the person who brings everyone together. But then when they are together, you do want them to have their own synergy between each other. And I'm still working on it up to this day. Like it's still wise words from Coda. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's all true. It's true. Let's go back to how, I mean, you kind of spoke about undeniable. So -hmm. what about you as an artist? Like take it all the way back. Like how did music get started? (laughs) Music got started for me in around year six in primary school was when I guess So Solid came out with the They Don't Know album. So I finished school. Oh, I can't even, I don't even know when I finished year six. <laughs> this, was, this would have been like the, the night, 99 or 2000 or something early when I finished primary school. Yeah. Um. So So Solid was really blowing up. Um. And they had kind of like a style, which now is kind of called, it called like a fusion of grime and garage, but they were like on the cusp of, making their own lane off of garage and bringing a lot more street elements. Okay, yeah. So growing up where I grew up in Broccoli at the time, it was a very, it was deemed as the hood at that time. Now it's like, obviously it's, you know, it's, it's Hollywood now, but at the <laughs> time it was like the hood in it. So the stuff that I was exposed to at a young age, it, it matures you quick. So when you have music that becomes the soundtrack to things that you're actually seeing in your everyday life, like people shotting or people having fights or, you know, young people in way over their head or like, you're, mm-hmm. you know, like just loads of different things that you're seeing, the music reflected it. So I really got into that and then I just wanted to be like So Solid. I, I had a had a dream to be in So Solid Kids because they had um, So Solid and they had So Solid Kids. So my mm-hmm. thing was like, right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> to go hard and be in So Solid Kids. And then Year 6 Assembly, I performed for the first time ever. Oh, I wrote some cute. lyrics, performed <laughs> yeah, to the parents on our leavers assembly and then you weren't like rapping about the streets or <laughs> no do you know what? I wasn't rapping about the streets I was rapping about my aspirations of like Aww, yeah from a young age I think my lyric was when I grow up I want to be I want to be the greatest MC I want everyone to know my name I want loads and loads and loads of fame you still remember but, it yeah I still <laughs> remember it, it because it's, it's that was it like yeah 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 you know when I grow up I want everyone to know my name I want loads and loads of you know I was always talking about like my aspirations on where I want to yeah. be and I stuck it's it stuck it stuck with me through <laughs> yeah. um through my whole journey like when you hear my records now it's always like this year we're gonna get rich or it's like patience it's always something in there that is forward thinking and it is something I'm working towards but yeah to take you back um then I went from primary school to secondary school and I was writing lyrics and I uh, started a crew with my cousins called Hazard Crew um, and it was just like a family crew. So when every when all the family was downstairs on like big events like Christmas or birthdays, we'd be upstairs in, the, in my cousin's dad's study room and he used to have like a little mic that looked like a little tadpole that used to go into the Windows 2000 computer. Yeah. And then... Um, it was only a, a program called Sound Recorder. So what we used to do on Sound Recorder was make mixtapes. So we'd record CDs 
and then mix different songs and then like just leave it running and then bounce it all down as an MP3 and then put it on a CD. Advanced. One day we was like, yeah, we just <laughs> was figuring it out. You know, your kids, you just yeah. figure stuff yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're like, oh, I wish I could like have this song play next to this song. And then yeah, you don't you understand. Yeah, try it out. Exactly. So, and your imagination as a kid is just through the roof. So you're just figuring it out. So then we was then like, oh, you know what? We want to make our own songs like we want to make our own cds and we're like 11 12 at this time and then we started putting the mic next to the speaker so it could record the beat and our voice so we'd be like we used to hold the speaker next to our faces and record so it could record both things because we didn't obviously know about like you know the beats there and then you then yeah. record over the beat it was like no nah. like so we do like one take for like <laughs> half an hour just passing the mic around just freestyling madnesses and then just save it and then put it on a cd and then just listen to it every day every day every day so then that that kind of encouraged me more to do music and then i went into secondary school was a bit introverted for like the first three years but i was writing lyrics though but everyone in my school seemed better than me at the time and i was like comes back to being undeniable i was like i don't want to go into that circle and 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 spit until i feel like people are going to love what I'm giving them or yeah. I feel confident enough to. So for a good three years, the circles was happening in school. I didn't go in that circle until year nine, but I was practicing from year seven. And then year nine came, first time I went in the circle, it just went crazy, got a reload, <laughs> everything. People was then like, oh, rah, like you can do music. But these times, that whole period of time, I was learning the back end. I was learning how to engineer from year seven, year eight, I was learning how to like, my uncle had a studio. So I was learning how to engineer, mix and use reverb and all of that. But I just wasn't telling anyone at school because I didn't see it as a skill. It was just something I needed to do to record myself. No one was really doing it. It wasn't a big thing at all. It was like, it was geeky back then. It's so weird, isn't it? It's just such a complete different like way of how it is now. But 100%. Yeah, I guess at the time it was just so low-key of doing that kind of thing. Everyone's talking about football and like, yeah. the girls they fancy and all of these things. And you're going to come <laughs> in like, hey, I figured out the how to like, do the feedback <laughs> loop on like, the, or how to like put my reverb through a yeah. bus channel. Like, it's just like, it's Yeah, because you cool. just saw it as like a necessity rather than the like skill, e- yeah. Exactly. You coined it perfectly. I saw it as a necessity as to what I need to do to put out a record yeah. that sounds good. So I wasn't looking at a reverb of like how it actually, like the functionalities. I just knew that you put this on and you press this and then it makes it sound better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that started happening and then got into like a popular music crew in Lewisham called Messy Kids. And then I was wrote, I was riding with them and stuff like that. And it just started then to expand into youth clubs. I'd go around to different youth clubs in Lewisham and oh, cool. put my name out there. Then I'd, then I'd travel to like Enfield in like a warehouse, an abandoned warehouse where there's like a pirate studio, a pirate radio, <laughs> a pirate radio station in an abandoned warehouse. Yeah. And like you're just, these days, we're talking times when, what, 2000 and, 2005, 2006, or maybe earlier, but between them kind of periods, there's no sat-navs. There's not, there's your phone. Yeah. Your phone isn't an iPhone. Your phone is a Nokia brick. Yeah, yeah. There's no sat-nav. You got the so A to Z map. <laughs> when a DJ tells you, yeah, I'm in this location in Enfield and you've hardly even left Lewisham, 
And then you have to go and find and navigate and ask people, hey, did, is there a radio station around here? Someone leads you there, someone leads you there. You're phoning the DJ, they're trying to like direct you. They can't come and get you because their show's started. So then we'd, we'd eventually find these places and just be there for like two hours, spitting nonstop, sometimes three hours, just passing the mic because we was writing so much. It's not like now you have so many distractions, social media, et cetera, yeah, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. To the point where a lot of artists don't even actually write a lot. They just, they write a song and then expect their life to change from that one record yeah. because they've spent time writing it. But it's like, no, back in them days, you didn't get hung on a song or a lyric. You just kept going. It was like, oh, that's a cool lyric. Next one, next one, next one, next one until you fell asleep, you know? So we was able to spit for three hours back to back. And we'd do that. And then that's when we started building our name. Well, I started building my name in the grime scene. Um, and then from there, then just went through the whole grime kind of wave and got onto Lord of the Mics. And I got a, like an Adidas sponsorship and a Beats by Dre sponsorship. Yeah. From then, I just started garnishing a lot of attention and went to New Zealand um, when I was like 17. My mom sent me there because I was getting in a lot of trouble in um, the area. Oh, really? Yeah, so she sent me to New Zealand. <laughs> Other to side of the uncle. world. <laughs> yeah, I had an uncle over there. Okay. And she sent me there to go and like, just, I guess, see a different outlook on life. And then that ended up turning into a music music opportunities because now cool. they, they all fly me back there to go there. I've been like five, six times now wow. um, to go and tour. And I've got a core fan base out there. I've sold out headline shows. and because yeah, it's such a small a small country so it's like yeah. I'm sure no, you know massive. everyone there <laughs> it's massive but it's small in terms of population the community. And yeah. yeah 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 so everyone knows each other so you do one thing there's oh there's like there's a there's an artist in Auckland tonight performing yeah. at Neck of the Woods everyone's like I'm going so it's 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 easier to sell out something but it's not necessarily easy to convert the people that are coming to the venue like there might still be a lot of people that leave and just never come to your show again <laughs> or never follow you. But luckily, you know, I, I put on performances that I'd rehearsed tirelessly for. And then I made, I built a lot of um, supporters in New Zealand, strong core fan base. Cool. And then went Germany and different places. But that's kind of been like long but short version. That's still the short, short version of um, my trajectory to this to this kind of point. And just having key people in my life, like having mentors from young, like um, my first manager, Adrian, who was, who was really an asset to me growing up and mm -hmm. just being a young man and helping me transition and rehearsing and stuff like that and being there to make sure that I was setting a certain standard for myself yeah. and I wasn't falling below that standard. So yeah, there's just been loads of key Yeah, I people. think artists do need that. We do need the... The like, I don't know whether it whether it's a family figure or or you know manager whoever it yeah. is to keep us on track. <laughs> mm -hmm. No facts, we need it. It's necessary. We, you do, sometimes you don't need it. You know, I mean, no, no, you don't. You don't know you need it until you get. Yeah, it. <laughs> and then you get and you're like, where have you been all my life? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's important. I saw a video on Instagram. Did you recently perform somewhere? Uh, yeah, I, I threw a like a show, a last minute show in um, oh, Hillyfields cool. Park. How was that? That was that was amazing, man. Like, yeah. the, the turnout was nice. People was vibing. Um, they knew the records. I'd, I've dropped some records during the pandemic and I hadn't been able to perform, obviously. So it was nice to know that people knew the words and stuff because I missed that, you know? Yeah, the whole live thing. It's been so yeah. long. <laughs> exactly. Because when I'm on stage, like, I'm used to the crowd being receptive. So I'm used to, like, you know, people saying the lyrics back and stuff. But where I hadn't been on there for so long, I'm just like, oh, they're not really going to know these songs. And then I done them, 
and they know the lyrics and I'm like it gave me That's more so energy nice. when I was performing because I was like raw like you don't yeah. really rocking with me like I had to start the song again like nah like you don't really know the words to these songs that I've dropped during a pandemic like this, it just reminded That's me nice again vibe, yeah. how important like having that core support bases man mm-hmm. because they made that day even more special for me like as an artist you do get anxiety about performing again because you're like I haven't done it for so long yeah I make six songs in the studio but you do lot, you lot don't get to see that process it takes me a long time to make a record like my pagans girl like when you take into consideration the cadence the writing the story you lot you lot don't sit in the studio with me for that you hear the end product um so for you guys to really support it, it means a lot, you know. Yeah, so of course. Yeah. Done that and that went well. Had um artists called Siege that's that's on the record label and Roska as well, who I work with a lot, um, perform and it was a good turnout. People enjoyed it and we also shot part of a music video. So Okay. How did you like organize that then? I made a flyer and put it out on on Instagram. It was like an open invite, I think a day before. Oh wow! Before. I like doing last minute things because it shows me who's really yeah, serious. It shows yeah. me who the riders are, and I always take a note of the riders. So I'll, I'll have my assistant or myself. I'll write down the names of the people that came or whatever. And then, as the career progresses, my my goal is to be able to just randomly reward them, like randomly send them merch, randomly be like, hey selling that I'm, I'm performing at the O2 has 10 tickets because you came to a show in 2015 and it was like there was only five people there and you yeah. came and made it very special for me like I want to send personal messages out so I do over the years I've kept a note of like names and people Instagram names and stuff like that that's really good of people that have been supporting me when you know before it was cool to be a coder mm-hmm. to be a coder supporter mm-hmm. you know what I mean like it gets cooler and cooler every year to be a quarter supporter <laughs> because I do cooler shit. Yeah. So it's like, it makes sense. Like, if I'm on the next FIFA, it's like, oh, yeah, it's a cool thing to jump on at any point. But it's only going to become cooler to be a Coda fan. So I want the people that was there when it was like, it wasn't cool. Like, it was me in a pub with, like, old ladies trying to get on the stage. <laughs> but you was coming. Like, I, I, I keep a note of all of that. Do you know what I mean? People can jump on when it's cool, like you say. But when they're there and they actually appreciate the music from the start when it wasn't a trend, mm-hmm. those people, like, that means a lot to any 100%. artist. So 100%. it's good that you've, like, built that relationship with people. And and yeah. I see, like, you're always storying and kind of interacting with your people. And it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's really different because on Instagram, if there's someone who's just kind of, I don't know, they look cool, they dress cool, whatever it's great and they have following but there's a massive difference to someone anyone even if they're influencer whatever it is that people who are kind of just I don't know it's an honesty it's like a real true kind of Mm -hmm. personality where they interact with people and you can just tell they're just a bit more human you know (laughs) because like so many people are so glossy like I'm magazine you know next top model like yeah (laughs) I never want people to feel detached from me at the end of the day, I'm from the hood, in it. I'm from the ends. So if you're from a similar background to me or like you've come from these environments, whether you was involved in that life or not, I want you to know that you can get where I am and you can even surpass me. Like I want you to surpass me. Like I want you to. I want you to feel like I need to work. I need to outwork Coda because if you try, if you wake up and say I'm going to outwork codes, that means that we're both going to be in amazing positions in the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. So I want you to to look at me and be inspired. I don't want it to be like, 
oh, it's detached. Like, yeah. oh, he's so gone that I can't, I no longer even think I can be like that. Yeah, you know yeah. I mean? You're not even trying to hide where you've come from and where no. where you've grown up and everything. Yeah, which not is... at all. That's why I always champion broccoli. I say in every every interview from like, whether it's you interviewing me, Puma, like whoever, um, wherever I go, I mention broccoli in the world mm-hmm. because for me, it's like I want to bring attention to broccoli. I want to bring attention to the artist. I want people to know that these places exist and youth clubs exist. And there was once upon a time, there was a place called a youth club where you could go and like they had a DJ set and you could go and just perform to your friends and practice. And there was youth workers who worked around the clock to facilitate whatever you needed as a young person and be there to support you. I want people to know these places exist where I grew up, you know, because you go to Germany, there's not that. You go you you go another part of the world there's not that there so when I'm explaining it it's not I'm not explaining it to people that necessarily always live here I'm explaining it to people that no it's both it's people that live here that are not taking advantage of the opportunities at hand to them and then it's people that don't live here to show them the lifestyle and the things we go through you know so that's where the transparency has been like a a thing that I'm definitely going to maintain and that's why I do I keep databases like I can, if I really wanted to, I could go into my database and see how many times you've liked a picture of mine. Yeah. <laughs> I could type your name in and it would be like, oh, like she's liked eight of your last pictures because I've created a database. Not so I can be like, hmm, let me, let me sell you something. <laughs> I've done it so I can be like, raw. like when it's time to really reward yeah. the people that have been supporting me, I can be like, yo, like that person there has ripped a comment on every one thing you've done like they they've written your stories like they've I keep a note of everything they do of everything people do in it mm-hmm. because it is about you know giving back and being like raw like when I'm in a better position checking in with you and saying raw like is there what is your dream what do you want to do someone might say oh I've always wanted to be like etc oh how much does that cost like don't tell anyone but I'll, I'll, I'll pay for that just don't make it public I'll, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying I'll sort that out like I want to be in that situation you know it's a good mindset because honestly I don't think I think it's quite rare for people you know if they especially artists like if they want to do their music and it becomes very self-absorbed and it's Mm -hmm. like once they go up there you forget that it's like a relationship but you know most people wouldn't have that kind of relationship and they wouldn't be building Mm -hmm. that so it's nice that you've been able to maintain that yeah and keep grounded good it's good (laughs) (laughs) yeah and have you got any new music that you can talk about? Um, at the moment, I'm, I'm working on a, releasing a song called Rabina Freestyle. So mm-hmm. we're going to shoot the video for that soon. It's a fun freestyle. Like literally just me dropping bars on a beat. I haven't given people that for a while. It's always been like songs, etc. Whereas this is no chorus. It's just bars. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, um, I'm looking forward to dropping that. And then I've got a lot more releases coming over the year. Uh, videos, uh, planning a short as well. So there's going to be a lot. And, there's the, you know, we're going to be releasing some of the artists on the label as well. They're some of their first songs and their first releases. So How many artists do you have in your label? Four, not including me. And they're all releasing this year. So Yeah. And so how does exciting. that work? Do you, um, do you do, like, funding for that? So everything's self-funded. So okay. how how we do it is we just do it all in-house. You know, we chip in, we we use our resources. Because my thing was like, 
as a musician, there's one part of your brain, but as a business person, there's another part of your brain. So I was yeah. like, okay, do I spend X amount on individuals, like people, or do I just spend X amount on the, the, the equipment everyone wants to use? <laughs> so it was like, I had to make a decision and I chose to spend it on the equipment everyone wanted to use, which meant that I was able to then bring in interns because mm-hmm. I have equipment that they're trying to get access to. So the value exchange is makes you get to use the equipment and in exchange, I get a video for one of my artists or whatever. And then when you want to then go and use the equipment for someone outside of Undeniable and you can monetize it, that's you. Like you can do that. You can just book out the camera and take it. But the one value exchange is that when something creative needs to happen for an undeniable artist, you come in and you facilitate that. So I had to make a decision, you know, and I feel like I made the right decision because now we're moving into a place where we are now being able to be like, okay, now we can pay the creatives. Now we can be like, okay, let's pay the photographer. Let's, it's not about the equipment and the value exchange as much now. It's like, no, we can afford to bring in that director or whoever you need yeah. to try and, um, not to try, to facilitate the next step of nurturing your creative growth, you know? So, but it started with having to make them executive decision. Do I spend like 10K, for example, on different directors or do I spend it on a camera everyone wants to use and lighting? Yeah, because I mean, either way, even if you got different people, I'm sure they'd have to go hire out equipment and that would probably add to the cost anyway, so. Exactly. So when you're really an independent artist and you're like funding everything and thinking about, things bigger than you like a team and other artists you have to make them executive decisions and I feel like making that decision gave birth to Undeniable Films because with that camera we've now shot for other musicians and whatever Um, and with that equipment it's all in house we have our own lighting own cameras we got a drone like we got like pretty much everything not everything but basics of essentials we have in it we don't have like a uh, a crane <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean like a, a, we don't have that but we can hire it do you know what I'm saying yeah but like the essentials yeah you even it. be like oh I want to shoot a video tomorrow we have the resources to do that yeah so you have that flexibility to do it whenever you 100%. want 100% so you know when you're in that position as I said it is making them them decisions like how do I do it it's like for example when you're marketing in your in your music yeah you can be like okay do I pay they're probably going to hate me for this. Not you, but like the, the industry. <laughs> yeah. Do I pay a PR X amount of thousands a month for every four or five months? Or do I find individuals that I can pay £50 or £40 to just do one thing for me? You know what I mean? Like every pound I mean, counts. that's the thing with PR. It's, that's the big question, especially for new artists, isn't it? Because they say it's like, it's like gambling, really, because you don't know exactly. if you're going to get much out of it. So... And I'd rather, I'd rather bet on myself, if I'm honest. So I'm in a situation where it's like, I get down to finicky, like money, like, yo, how do I make every pound work for me? Yeah, yeah. Like, is there someone I can pay a pound to do something? (laughs) Can I pay someone a pound to just put up my pagans, go on their story and I'll just transfer you a pound? Can I pay someone 10 pound to put it up three times for the day? Can I pay someone... 50 pound to put it on their TikTok. Can I pay someone 200 pound to make a TikTok viral dance or whatever? Like I really then get into, I'm about people. I invest in people in it. So I'm now then like, how do I empower the people around me and pay them to do it? And it's, I've done it with my Pagan's Girl. Like 
every penny I spent with my Pagans girl was way less than I've spent on records that have been heavily PR'd and stuff. And it's had better results than really, all yeah. of those records because I changed my approach and I said, no, nah, like, let me personally phone Kenny All Stars who premiered it and say, Kenny, like, I have this record, but what are you doing in your life that you need my support on? I have cameras, I have this. Oh, do you know what, Codes? I might need you in a couple months because I'm doing some filming stuff. All right, cool. Boom. Mm, yeah. This is it. Boom. Play the record. Boom, boom, boom. Whenever you need, man, I'm there. Like, we're creating an economy of, of supporting each other. You know, whereas a PR would have took X amount of money or, or to, to do that. And then as an artist, as an independent, I've got to go and find that money when there's not guaranteed results. Yeah. I'd rather be like, nah, let me get on the phone myself and hear and know. You know what I mean? Like that transparency, give, the lack of transparency gives me anxiety. I won't lie. So to, to avoid that, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to watch where every, how to maximize spending every pound. It could be a penny. It would be a penny. Do you know what I'm saying? But you can't do much for a penny. But like a pound, like if someone said to me that I supported anyway and was like, yo, like I'll transfer you a pound just to put this up. Like, and I supported them. I'll just do it. I'll be like, rah, like, ah, cool. It's a pound more than I had. Yeah. <laughs> you know, pay a hundred people a pound. That's a hundred people posting your post. And getting like, the word out, and I mean PR. Like, of course, if you're gonna get a, like a good magazine or whatever it is, like that's great. But it is the people who are listening and spreading the word, and they're the ones listening to the music. So if you can get it out that way, then I think, and yeah, it works, and then you know it could be more effective. Hundred percent, and it's understanding your audience. Yeah. Like, the more you understand your audience, the more you know what they gravitate towards. I wouldn't say what they want because then that would mean you're compromising for or you're making music for a specific... I don't do that. I make music I want to make and whoever gravitates, yeah, gravitates yeah. to music. So let's use the words gravitate. Like, the people that gravitate towards you, yeah, if you really understand who those people are, the kind of people you want to gravitate towards your music, then when you're going to a PR, you can give them specific instructions. Whereas sometimes you just go there and expect a miracle to happen. Yeah, it's of like, course, yeah, do, you, yeah. do you even know if they're connecting you with the people or putting you in places where people even take in your type of music or your style or your dress sense? Like, are they taking into consideration your political views, your views on the world? Like, what audiences and communities are they really connecting you with? It comes down to how much they know you, you know, and then they can then be better equipped to connect you with that audience. But if you know yourself and you know the audience you want to connect with with your music then you would know where to find them if it was if it was all like parks you'd be like oh well i go to that park because my people are in that park so i just need to hang out in that park every day and perform Do you know what i'm saying yeah and, you know i need to bring in a company to give me access to that park it's like because they might take you to another park where there's people that are into like a whole like death metal Do you know what i'm saying <laughs> and you're there trying yeah. to do your thing and they're like when down five minutes down the road, there's people that are yearning for someone like you, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, <laughs> that's kind of like, went off on a tangent, but that, that's just <laughs> no. me. That's me. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. It's good to hear. What would be like a typical week for you? How do you split oh, your time? God. I mean, I'm sure that it's, it's oh, yeah, yeah, can't yeah. be all the same, but <laughs> roughly in a week. So I'm a CEO of four companies. Yeah. So it's that split with being a musician. Yeah, and an wow. executive producer. I can't imagine how busy And you are. an studio engineer. So 
it goes from morning recording music or team meetings in the morning sometimes about whatever we need to do for that week, then recording music and then maybe another meeting or check emails, get onto people on emails, look at potential opportunities to grow the brand, um, check in with the creative team to see like if there's anything we could be doing this week creatively. Um, maybe engineering for someone that's booked studio time because they've requested me. Um, maybe executive producing for someone's project. Yeah, just overall seeing where the vision of the company's going and making sure like we we're, we're we're staring in the right direction and putting out fires. Oh my god, I've become a f- official firefighter. Like you have to you know, put out fires <laughs> Why? daily. <What>? Really? <laughs> yeah, because everything. Some not everything, but sometimes executive decisions need to be made because it's early stages in a company so you're not established yet you haven't even established like a a working formula yet you're still developing that so it it does take a lot of your attention like you need to be in a decision making place like someone comes to you and they say oh I'm trying to get hold of xyz but they're not responding to me then you have to then think okay let me drop whatever I'm doing hey, Wasit's trying to get hold of you. We really need to get this other line. Okay, well, tell Wasit. Well, no, you, I'm going to put you both in an email now and you tell each other what you need and then take me out of the email loop so I can, so I don't get notifications I can focus on. Like, I have to do that because if I don't Little do that, small then, managing tasks in the day, yeah, yeah. Exactly. You know, it's early days, you know, with every company. Do you feel the company, I mean, of course it's, it's, all connected but do you feel that it's taken away time from your music or do you try and not let that happen no it's it's, it's taken away a lot of time but the, t- the time is taken away is time that I'm equally invested in because as I said like I'm interested in people and empowerment and community so I love music but I also love that so yeah yeah my time is split up so I don't ever feel no 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 that's a lie not that I don't ever feel like oh I wish I could be making music right this second I'm an artist if I get an idea I'm gonna feel like right I wish I could be in the studio right this second but there's a client in there or okay I have to do a voice note or I have to go in my house and make a beat or whatever or I have to wait till after this meeting but it's something I've consciously signed up for that I foresaw if that's a word yeah, sometimes I make up words but yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, I saw coming in it I knew registering these companies and being the CEO or whatever, there's my time is going to be spread out across a lot of things. But I have so much faith in when I feel that creative energy, what I'm able to create, I have so much faith in that, that it pours into the other areas, you know? Because when I do go in that studio and make a song, I come out with my Pagan's Girl or I come out with Richer or I come out with one of these kind of records that when I release every single one of them, like changes my life in some way. So, mm-hmm. you know, I put out a record like Patience, for example, and it's not a record that I check for all the time. And like, I don't really check up on it and see how it's doing because it was just a record I put out because I was going through some stuff and I was like, well, I had to kind of tell myself, like, you got to be patient. Good things come to those people that way. Put out years ago. And then I go to a meeting the other day with like, the guy who used to run BBC News, basically. Um, and I'm chatting with him about some ideas and what we're working on. And then he brings a girl along with him who was really excited about Undeniable. So I'm thinking this, he's like, 
he works with various his colleague or like they know each they, they know each other but I thought it was like a work kind of relationship they knew each other and then she's just like no I wanted to come along to the meeting like I'm um, I'm his nanny for his children but mm-hmm. I, he told me he was meeting you and I'm so excited like by undeniable and what you're doing I wanted to come along to this meeting and by the way like your song Patience I've had on repeat for like the last week because I've been going through some stuff and it's been getting me through it and I'm like Oh, oh, like I would have yeah. never known you if I didn't know my man like you would have just felt how you felt and I would have never known that so then it, it, it's like moments like that where I'm like raw like when I do make a song and I do put it out it means something you know it's not like I've just put out a record to just put it out to stay relevant like it's, it's, it's the best it's, when it actually you know it's touched people and it's made 100%. an impact on other people 100% what about you? Like, let me ask a bit about you quickly. Like, when you when you are connecting with your audience and stuff like that, like, how do you go about doing that? I mean, small things with, like, social media and Instagram, I always make effort to reply to everyone. Not as if, like, I'm getting <laughs> thousands of DMs and I can't reply, but, like, I'm always replying. Like, even if it's, even if it's a reaction to a story, mm-hmm. you know, I reply. Comments, I always reply. Just, like, I, th- I feel like it's, it's important to just give appreciation to the fact that they've actually gone and commented or gone and messaged you. I feel like that's definitely building kind of small little relationships or like just, a, you know, a few words here and there with someone talking about something and it's just, it's quite nice. And you know that you can go back to them and be like, look, I've got something new coming or whatever. And that you know that they're going to be like, oh yeah, because they replied to me and they, you know, we had a little conversation mm-hmm. and got on with them. So yeah, I guess that with that, I the Instagram's the main thing. Um, obviously, I haven't really been gigging at all um, for a while, which I will look to get back to. But it's been just kind of working on songs, and I've just got so many songs. As I'm <laughs> sure every artist has, but so yeah, many songs. Sneaky pack. One one thing I do really admire about you, watching you from a distance, because I, I do pay attention, is it's just your persistence, like. I believe you're going to do well, very well, because you have it embedded in you what it takes to get to the next level in regards to when I met you, it was about, I want to learn how to engineer or do this because number one, I want to create a revenue stream, but number the more importantly, I want to be better mm-hmm. at using this software and like developing my sound because you understood I need to develop to go to another level. And then it's like, we was at the studio, but not long enough for it to be like, I guess, significantly impactful yeah, on that. Yeah. But even when you went your own way, you figured it out. And then I saw you performing. And it was like, oh, so you feel now the confidence and you feel ready to perform. Then you've gone from performing to now releasing records and stuff like that, or releasing a record. You know, you're now actively engaging with your audience on DMs. Obviously, I don't see that kind of stuff because it's personal to you, but you're telling me you're actively engaging. So you're constantly on a pursuit to get better and be at yeah, more, more of service to your to your um Yeah. Your I think it's it's a mistake dope. for anyone to think that there's no space to improve. So mm-hmm. it's been a curse, but it's also been a blessing, the fact that I've had to do everything myself. Um, which does make make me a little bit of a control freak with everything. But yeah. you know, like if it's if it works and I have a vision then like and it's strong enough, then I'm happy with that. So yeah, I've just always kind of done it myself. And pick yourself up. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So hopefully another release in the year or maybe a few, maybe an EP. That's dope. I'll be looking out for that. I think we've 
kind of covered everything. Thank you so much for talking to me, and it was a great chat. Really yeah, it was dope. It was dope. Thanks mm-hmm. for reaching out as well. Yeah, yeah, and good luck with any releases. Yeah, you too. Cool. If there's ever anything you want to hear, um, yeah, definitely. All right, speak soon. Take care. Bye. <laughs> If you made it to the end, I hope you got lots of useful tips from this chat. Coda's links will be in the show notes, so definitely go check that out. Don't forget to head over to our Instagram, Lost in the Mix podcast, to see what my guests are up to with their music.